I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us again for some more incredible stories. If you are listening for the first time, we are so happy to have you with us. And if you hit that subscribe button, uh, guess what? You're going to be treated to uh, new episodes of our show every Friday. I'm sure you'll like it. I hope that uh, if you do, you'll share it with other folks on uh, social media. You can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast from. So Apple, Spotify, you name it, uh, we're there. YouTube. YouTube. Now, <clears throat> that being said, uh, today we definitely have a very, very interesting story to tell, don't we? <laughs> yes, Gary, we sure do. It's uh, wonderful to be back in the Incredible Stories studio with you and uh, sharing our uh, entertainment with uh, listeners in more than 30 countries around the world. At this point, our podcast uh, is heard in more than 30 countries. And so we appreciate each and every one of you listeners, no matter where you may be listening to us at this very moment. Absolutely. The title, as you probably saw on our uh, uh, podcast website, is America the land of inventions and oddities. Now, Gary, this isn't um, technically an incredible story, but it's highly interesting and probably entertaining. So I think it fits within our, uh, you know, our uh, scope to uh, bring something like this tonight to our uh, listeners who we... Oh, who I agree. I agree having with us. Uh, so we're going to start with um, inventions and some of the great American inventions that we can uh, mention. There's far more than we can go into detail on. So uh, I'll mention quite a few, but then uh, we'll focus in on maybe two or if time permits, three uh, inventions and go into some detail. How does that sound? I like it. All right. Uh, one of the uh, items uh, on our invention list is the potato chip that Americans invented the potato chip. However, my research indicates that that is not true. So the potato chip is one of the things that I would like to discuss with you in detail later on. Now, here's the thing. I heard a story about how the potato chip was invented. So I will be curious to find out if our two stories are Match. the same. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, that's that's for later. A little teaser here. Uh, the potato chip uh, will come up again. Uh, the inventions that uh, caught my eye, the yo-yo. What's a yo-yo? A, a toy that children play with. Yeah, it's a little wooden uh, cylinder on a string, and you pretty much yeah. bounce it down toward the floor. And well, I mean, it's you have. The, the yo-yo itself mm -hmm. has two uh, sides that have some weight to them. And then in the center, you have a little uh, cylinder that the string is tied to. And then as it spins down, it uses gravity and then momentum to pull itself back up. Um, it's, you know, just 
it's been around for forever. So for our uh, listeners whose English may be a second language, uh, it's spelled Y-O-Y-O, and you can look it up, uh, you know, on the uh, internet for more details as to exactly what a yo-yo is and, and how it functions. But it's an American invention. Uh, the rocking chair. Uh, the rocking chair has comforted uh, elderly people in this country for decades and decades and decades. Oh, right? yes, easily. Mm -hmm. uh, Americans invented the first baby carriage, if you can believe that. And then uh, two of our most favorite professional sports, baseball and basketball, were yeah. products of the USA. Parking meters. Now, parking meters aren't part of our lives anymore, but I remember when I was younger when parking meters were on the streets and when you parked on a sidewalk downtown, you had to put a few nickels into the parking meter. Well, parking meters still exist. You have to use mm -hmm. them when you go to St. Augustine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they still have parking meters in St. Augustine, Florida. I'm sure that in any major city, they probably still mm -hmm. do too. Now, railroad sleeping cars were invented here, and also hot dogs. Good old hot dogs. Yeah. Can you describe what a hot dog is for all of our listeners? Everybody knows what a hot dog is. <laughs> it may go by different names, but everybody knows uh -huh. a hot dog, that, especially if it's an Oscar Mayer hot dog. Oh, yeah, that um, piece of worst in a bun, right? Mm -hmm. With mustard and ketchup and relish. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Some people like to dress it up. Uh, by the time you're finished fixing up your hot dog, whatever it resembles does not look like a hot dog. All right. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat> ballpoint pens were invented here. And I can remember when I started school, um, they hadn't been invented yet. We used the pens where you had to actually um, put ink in them, real ink, into the pen. Mm -hmm. And uh, then once uh, you used up the ink, then you'd have to fill it again with, uh, with more. So I remember, I guess, you know, I was halfway through um, elementary school, I guess, when ballpoint pens then were invented. And now, of course, they're everywhere. And the pens that you fill with ink are oh, nowhere. Of course. of course. Yeah. So some inventions, they come and they go. Right, Gary? That's true. Uh, so the who, whoever invented that pen that you had to fill with ink, that's now uh, on the dustbin of history. Yes, it is. Uh, the steamboat is something that we created, ice cream cones, and Coca-Cola. Now, Coca-Cola needs no explanation whatsoever. Coca-Cola is recognized throughout the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it, one of the most, uh, next to Pepsi, I, I would say, is one of the most American drinks you could find. Yeah. Uh, and um, we uh, invented the outboard motor for boats. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you recall Benjamin Franklin, he invented the lightning rod. Yes, he did. Uh, um, we invented the escalator. Now, there's another thing that has come and just about gone. The escalator is that moving stairway uh, that you used to find in the classier department stores. Yes. And, and uh, it would move right along, take you up to the next floor, or take you down from uh, the floor you're on. Yes. Uh, you don't see you really don't see elevators or escalators much anymore. Do you? Uh, elevators I, are I, still around, but this is what happens when you've been in the pandemic for a while and haven't been able to go out a whole lot. No, mm -hmm. we we still have escalators and elevators. I mean, I, I don't. I I'm not one who's interested in taking the stairs if I have to go up to the second floor to see my doctor. Mm -hmm. I'll take the elevator. 
Um, and then, of course, if you go to the mall, um, especially like the ones in uh, Sanford, Altamont, or Orlando, you've got quite a few escalators. In fact, I would say Disney is a big user of escalators. Um, ah, Las okay. Vegas is definitely a big user <laughs> of elevators and escalators. Yeah. I yep. mean... Yeah, the moving side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're... Um, oh, airports, big mm -hmm, time in the airport. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, oh, who doesn't like using the moving sidewalk? Right, right. Um, Americans also invented the Eskimo pie, which is delicious, the popsicle. They're made with real Eskimos, right? <laughs> nope. But that vanilla ice cream with the chocolate coating uh, makes them a favorite just about anywhere. Uh, that they can be found. Uh, and then uh, for serious criminals, we invented the electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <clears throat> and it's then, an electrifying time for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we invented graham crackers and fig newtons. And fig newtons is one that I thought maybe we could talk about a little bit in detail you know what? this evening. I like fig newtons. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of people that I know that personally like fig newtons. Yeah. But I do like fig newtons. I, I think they're... Uh, still pretty popular today myself oh so. yeah we, we get them every once in a while my son likes mm -hmm. them fig newtons are going to be uh one of the topics of conversation tonight um along with uh <clears throat> along with um uh, a couple other things the calliope is an american invention do you know what a calliope is yes i do uh because one of the shows i used to watch when i was a kid on Disney Channel, back when Disney Channel first started. Um, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was some, something Calliope. Anyways, mm -hmm. it was uh, these uh, circus animals who uh, would sing and dance and do all this kind of stuff, and uh, they had this magical Calliope that they would play. It's a little bit like an organ, uh, a little like a piano, a little like a little bit of something, everything else, but it basically has keys and knobs and stuff like that, and it produces music and you'd find those at what the a, carnival a, a circus carnival things yeah. like that yeah so the calliope that's uh, a piece of nostalgic entertainment i would say uh let me see what else do we have here uh the ferris wheel did you know that the ferris wheel was invented by a fellow by the name of george washington gale ferris Oh, the guy had four names: George Washington, Gale Ferris. Uh, it was invented back in 1883, and he was a native of Nevada. Really? Yeah, yeah. So the Ferris wheel is all American. Uh, then uh, one of the ones that uh, I found most interesting is one of my favorite, lifelong favorites: the ice cream soda. Oh. What kind of ice cream soda do you like, Gary? My Listen, I remember we used to go over to the AMC movie theater that was near the house. And what we would do is we'd go early enough to get lunch and then go see a movie. And I would always get, this, this ties into two things we're talking about. I would get a hot dog and a chocolate ice cream soda. And they would do like a Coney Island style hot dog on homemade rolls. Mm -hmm. And then... The ice cream soda, the way I had it, it was two scoops of chocolate ice cream, seltzer water with chocolate syrup added to the seltzer water, and they stir it up. And to me, that was heaven. Mm -hmm. My favorite was, and I ordered it this way, uh, chocolate ice cream soda with vanilla cream. That's how I actually ordered go. it at the soda fountains back in the day. There you go. 
chocolate ice cream soda with vanilla cream, please, and one of those Coney Island dogs to go with it. Now, Grandpa worked as a, at a soda fountain. Did, uh, yeah. did he know how to make uh, ice cream sodas oh, at home? he certainly did. I'm sure he did. He knew how to do all of that stuff because he worked the old-fashioned soda fountain when he was in high school back in the 1930s. 1930s. Woo. Yep. Um, a fellow by the name of Robert Fulton is famous. A lot of folks have probably heard of him. He invented the steamboat. Do you remember him from your American history classes? Uh, no. Okay. He invented the steamboat, but here's what a lot of uh, folks don't know. Uh, in 1800, he also invented a successful submarine. 1800. Really? really? Uh, 1800. A submarine. And he offered to sell it to Napoleon. Napoleon turned the deal down because the submarine would only go about two knots per hour. <laughs> It's a little slow. Yeah. So anyways, Robert Fulton, uh, you know, invented the submarine, offered it to Napoleon. Napoleon turned it down. Who's ever heard of that? <clears throat> that certainly uh, was a dusted off fact from, from our history. I would say so. Yeah. And so anyhow, um, we come to uh, two of the items that I'd like to uh, talk about in a little more detail. And one of them is uh, the potato chip. I'm going to save that one for last because I don't believe that's an American invention uh, after what I've discovered about it. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, let's talk a little bit about the Fig Newton. Do you know anything about the history of the Fig Newton? I, ha I have zero background on the Fig Newton other than... It's delicious. It's delicious. Well, that recipe for fig filling was the brainchild of American Charles M. Roser. Uh, and Mr. Roser was a cookie maker who was born in Ohio, and he worked for a bakery in Philadelphia. And he sold his recipe to the Kennedy Biscuit Company way back in the day. Now, although rumor has it that the cookie was named after the pioneering physicist Isaac Newton, Fig Newton, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right to me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. Uh, Kennedy Biscuit named the cookie Newton after the town of Newton, Massachusetts. You see, Kennedy Biscuit Company was a, a Boston-based company and it had a habit of naming its cookies after local towns. And so they had cookies named Beacon Hill, Harvard even, Shrewsbury, and the Newton. Really? Yeah, yeah. Now, Roser probably based his recipe on fig rolls up until then, a locally and homemade cookie brought to the U.S. by British immigrants. So, bum, ba -dum, bum, bum. it's a very British thing then. I would say that it's not totally all American, just like we're going to find out about the potato chip. Uh, the cookie's made up of a crumbly uh, pastry with a, a jammy scoop of fig in the middle. <clears throat> Nabisco's recipes are obviously a trade secret, Gary. But uh, modern copies suggest that you start with dried mission figs and you add some applesauce and orange juice and a little orange zest as you process the fruit. So there you go. Are you going to try and make some filling for a fig noodle? Oh, I might just have to do that. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> anyways, you got the recipe, but how do you make the cookies? Well, um, Mr. Roser, uh, you know, was stumped until along came a Florida inventor named James Henry Mitchell. Now, Mr. Mitchell revolutionized the packaged cookie business 
by building an apparatus that could make a hollow cookie crust and fill it with fruit preserves. Really? Yeah. His machine worked like a funnel within a funnel, and the inside funnel supplied jam while the outside funnel pumped out the dough. This produced an endless length of filled cookie, which could then be cut into the smaller pieces. Isn't that amazing? Huh. He also developed a dough sheeting machine, another that made sugar wafers, and others that helped speed cake production. And all of these, you know, helped the company, uh, uh, you know, the um, biscuit company, which eventually became Nabisco. <clears throat> and Nabisco, of course, we know of to this day. And they have a plethora of products which we enjoy eating. Oh, that they do. All right. Uh, last but not least on our inventions, uh, before we get to a couple American oddities, is the potato chip. Now, do you have any idea of what, uh, where the potato chip came from? Uh, now, this is a story that I heard. Okay. okay. Uh, I heard, it goes back years, uh, I want to say back to like the 1700s, kind of far back. Yeah, well, uh, that's close. But what I, from what my understanding was, is it was an accident, and it started with um, a gentleman who uh, was at a restaurant, and what they would do is they would, you know, with certain meals they would do thin sliced potatoes that were um, fried on the outside, kind of like French fries, but they were, you know, in medallions. And so uh, the man gets his meal. He's not happy with the potatoes, so he sends them back to the cook, says to him uh, over again, they're not thin enough. Uh, so the cook redoes the potatoes, sends them back. The man is still not happy. He says, I'm not happy with this. Take them back. I want them thin. And so the, the cook decides, I'm going to irritate this guy even further because he's not making my job easy. So he cuts them as thin as he possibly can and then fries them up to where they're you know, almost paper thin. And then sends him out there thinking, oh, now I really showed this guy. But when the guy gets him and he tries him, turns out he absolutely loves it. And it becomes a thing. And it becomes very popular. And ta-da, potato chips. Wow. Gary, you have, uh, you have come up with the origin story of potato chips, which led everybody to believe that they're American when they're not. They were created long before that uh, in Britain. <clears throat> the uh, fellow you're talking about, uh, his name was George Crum. He was a cook at a place called Moon's Lake House, and he was trying to appease that unhappy customer that you mentioned. And this was in August 24 of 1853. <clears throat> oh, I was close. Keep that date in mind, 1853, because when we talk about the uh, British, we're going to go way before 1853. And that customer kept sending his French fried potatoes back. He complained they were too thick. They were too soggy. They were not salted enough. So Mr. Crumb was getting a little frustrated. So he sliced several potatoes extremely thin, fried them to a crisp, seasoned them with extra salt, figuring that the customer would hate him, but he had nothing to lose. But to his surprise, the customer loved them. And, I mean, happy accidents. Yeah. That's all I can say. And this occurred in Saratoga Springs, New York. And so uh, they soon became uh, known as Saratoga Chips. Now, here's the thing. 
Uh, I believe the chip part of it is the most American. Uh, the other is clearly it's French fries, not the French fries as the way we know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, definitely a different type of French fry back in the day. But <clears throat> I do believe that that chip part of it is American. The the from whence it came before that, you know, in its form that it was meant to be served as, no. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do believe that the, the the chip part of it, because of it happening in Saratoga, and uh, you know. So, spoiler alert: <clears throat> I'm going to come down on the side of the British as having invented the uh, potato chip. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that though, because again, I mean, you know, that the, the first one was definitely French fries because mm-hmm. they're thick, mm-hmm. uh, whereas you know, intentionally cutting them thin, you know, that was one chef's decision. But as Paul, an Harvey American used chef, to say, as Paul Harvey used to say. Here's the rest of the story. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Yeah, here we go. We're going to find out the rest of the story. Over in Britain, they call the potato chip a chip or a crisp, um, also in Ireland. And as we've mentioned, it's a thin slice of potato that has been either deep fried or baked until crunchy. And commonly, potato chips are served as a snack, right, right Gary? More as a snack than anything. That's true. Uh, and the basic chips are cooked and salted, but we know you just go down the aisle of the grocery store and oh my gosh, there's all sorts of potato chips with herbs and spices and cheeses and other <clears throat> natural flavors and artificial mm. flavors. I saw one just yesterday, dill pickled potato chips, you know, yeah, dill potato chips. <clears throat> oh yeah. No, uh, Lay's, I think it's Lay's. Lay's. Yeah. Lay's, they, they they're, put they're out, a big company. They put out the weirdest potato chips like, yeah. uh, what was the one I tried? I, uh, chicken and waffles. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the, uh, Parmesan and garlic. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what else? The macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've come out with some strange ones, the pickle one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do that from time to time. It's just kind of like a, a, a taste surprise. Vote on your favorite flavor. Yeah, well, all of this, um, manipulating of the potato of the basic potato chip has created a market, um, back in 2005, that's the latest statistic I could come up with. $16 billion. That's a chunk of change. That's a lot of potato chips. Now, um, let's go ahead and find out where they really came from. They didn't come from Saratoga Springs, New York. They came from William Kitchener's Kitchen. Now, do you know who William Kitchener was? No clue. <laughs> well, he was born in 1775, which was during the American Revolutionary War, and uh, died in 1827. So that made him 50, about 52 years old when he passed away. He was an English optician, Gary. So he actually had a medical degree, William Kitchener. Uh, he was an amateur musician and a cook. Now, Kitchener... Uh, he was the son of a prosperous merchant, and his father's legacy meant that he really didn't have to work. So uh, he was unlike Charles Dickens. He never had to worry about paying his bills at all throughout his life. And so right. he was able to lead this life of, of a gourmet. Uh, and uh, here, here's what he did. Um, he was, uh, um, unlike most writers of his time, uh, he he came up with a cookbook, but uh, and it was called the Cook's Oracle. The Cook's Oracle. Now we're going to come back to that. The Cook's Oracle, um, 
was his first cookbook, and that has the earliest known recipe for a potato chip. The thin sliced potato chip or the one that's like French fries? The original thin sliced potato chip. Okay, the cook's oracle. Let's keep that in the back of our mind. Now, unlike most of the food writers of his time, he cooked the food himself. Really? Yeah, and he washed up afterwards, did the dishes, everything. He performed all the household tasks he wrote about, and he traveled around to a circle of friends who had similar gourmet uh, leanings. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, he had a portable, what he called, cabinet of taste. Oh. And his cabinet of taste was a folding cabinet, and it contained his mustards and sauces. And he was the creator of something called Wow Wow Sauce. Wow Wow Sauce? <laughs> yeah. W-O-W-W-O-W. Okay. Now, his cookbook, The Cook's Oracle, don't forget that name. Got it. Includes 11 ketchup recipes, including two each for mushroom, walnut, and tomato ketchups, and one each for cucumber, oyster, mussel ketchups, and also a recipe for his wow wow sauce. Wow wow sauce. And like I say, uh, the book contains what uh, may be the earliest reference to crisps and a recipe for potatoes fried in slices or shavings. Mm. Shavings indicates very thin. And he instructed the reader to peel large potatoes, slice them about a quarter of an inch thick, or cut them in shavings round and round as you would peel a lemon, dry them in a clean cloth, and fry them in lard or dripping. And so there, Gary, there, Gary, is how the very first potato chips were actually cooked. Now, interestingly enough, uh, he wrote a book about um, how to enjoy a long life because here he was, he enjoyed music, he enjoyed good food, and boy, he was living the lifestyle. I don't know how much he weighed, but I'm guessing he probably was substantially overweight if food was his passion. I don't know. I have met some people that uh, are are big eaters, and, and they are skinny as a rail, and you just kind of wonder to yourself, where do they put it all? Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and um, and see uh, picture William Kitchener as somebody who was quite a bit overweight because even though he, wrote a, a book on how to enjoy a, a prolonged life. Hmm. Uh, he had a sudden heart attack at the age of 52 and died. Oh, dear Lord. Maybe he, maybe <laughs> he did have a problem. Yeah. So anyhow, um, William Kitchener, potato chips. And now uh, I'd like to read you a description of his book, The Cook's Oracle. And the reason I'm going to do this will be revealed when I finish describing the book. Okay. Gary, would you care for a bit of coal cannon? Or how about some hotchpotch? Or are you uh, feeling the urge to try some wow-wow sauce right now? Well, the Cook's Oracle was published in 1829, we know, by Dr. William Kitchener now. It was a bestseller in its day. It had the fundamentals of 19th century cookery, and uh, it covered the gamut from meat and fish to gravies and sauces to puddings and pies, and it included many of his favorite recipes, which uh, he called receipts, his receipts. <clears throat> Interestingly okay. enough, he, he toured, as I said, with that movable taste cabinet, and uh, he also 
did all the work whenever he went to a friend's house and they had one of the, you know, buffets that they all enjoyed together. And the reason I'm going into such detail about the Cook's Oracle is it has come back and it is now on sale on Amazon. Really? Did you buy one? No, I haven't bought one, but uh, (laughs) it sounds fascinating. Come on, don't you want to make some wow wow sauce? (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, I think we should. Um, You know, that brings me to um, this idea. Um, you know, in our previous in our previous episodes about the Salem witchcraft trials, you and I recreated the uh, seance experiment that the teenage girls performed. Oh in, yeah, in with Salem. the egg in the water. Yeah, and we have always um, enjoyed recreating things. So we've we've gotten a cookbook that shows all the favorite recipes from colonial Williamsburg in the revolutionary times. Yeah. We've cooked up some of those recipes to see uh, what the food tasted to, uh, to our founding fathers and ancestors back in the day. And so <clears throat> why not? Why wouldn't we think about the possibility of trying wow, wow sauce? So uh, friends, <clears throat> if you would like to um, find an interesting uh, book about uh, some unusual tastes, um, the cook's Oracle is now on sale on Amazon and we don't Ooh. get, we don't get a single cent in promoting it, but, uh, I just found that extremely interesting. Yeah. Maybe you can make yourself some wow, wow sauce <laughs> now, uh, real quick before we go, cause you brought up the yo-yo. We didn't talk about the yo-yo, but I can tell you what I know about the yo-yo because I am a yo-yo enthusiast. Okay. Um, the yo-yo was not invented as a toy. Ah, it was invented as a weapon. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a, a weapon that was used way back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago uh, as a striking tool in battle. Um, I don't know who thought, you know what, let's take this thing that was deadly and turn it into something that kids could play with. But of course, I say that and look at all the other toys that have come out in the past few decades that have probably maimed more than a few children. But originally, the yo-yo was not meant to be a toy. It was a weapon. And now some of the youngest kids play with yo-yos. Play with yo-yos. I'm, and, and, and for those, those of us who are big kids, we still play with the yo-yo too. <laughs> All right. Well, those are some very interesting facts. And it's that time again where we have to say adieu. Yes, I'll be to Zane. Mm-hmm. And uh, as of right now, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these were some incredible facts. We hope that you join us again next time for some more incredible stories or incredible facts, whichever. And like I said before, go ahead and like and subscribe and share us with all your friends on social media. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.